All right, welcome back to Made Arbitration. One of the highlights of doing this podcast is getting messages from y'all and emails about your renewed passion to represent letter carriers. Uh, that uh, that means the world to me. Uh, some of y'all have never thought about being a shop steward before and have decided that that's what you're going to do. And, and I love that. I think that's amazing. We need more like you. Uh, I love seeing your victories, the stories that you have, uh, things that, that you've worked on that uh, I know your passion for, seeing that you come out on top of those things, uh, the victories that you have. We've talked a lot about things that we've not been successful at. Uh, I'm no stranger to that myself. Uh, you know, and we've talked through those things. Why did this happen? What, what was the reasoning? You know, is there something we could have done different? Uh, I love those things. I love that, that y'all feel that you can reach out to me and, and we talk about those things. I love to see your passion for your people, and uh, I think that we could uh, we could uh, take that as an example all the way up the line, uh, to tell you the truth. So that's been one of the highlights of doing this podcast. Um, I love helping. I love educating. You know, sharing with you things that that I've learned throughout my years. Um, I love hearing people say, you know, hey, I've ran for something the very first time I've ever thought about running for something, and I ran. Win or lose, you decided to run for something. That's fantastic. It really is. And keep trying. If we, if we weren't successful, keep trying. Keep trying. Representing letter cares to me has been one of the most rewarding things even though i've not made any money off of it it's been one of the more rewarding things to me uh, throughout my my time so i love that that part of this podcast that i've been able to meet so many people from around the country that i've been able to help uh, some way or another uh, y'all have helped me a lot I've, I've met some fantastic people, but your passion, that's something that, that excites me because I believe that that's something that's been missing. I've had people say, hey, I've been a shop steward, stepped down, and I've decided to come back and do it again. I've got a renewed fire. I love that. Some say, hey, I never thought that I'd be a shop steward. You know, I've been listening, and I've decided that's something that I want to take on, and, and uh, we've We've talked about things. I love that. I had a great story from a young lady I talked to the other day, and uh, she said, "Look, I'm not, I'm not confrontational, so steward is not my thing." She said, "But I am very good at investigating. I'm very good at knowing what to request. I'm very good at putting contentions together. Uh, those are things that I excel at." But I'm just not confrontational, so I cannot go in, sit down, and meet with management because I give in too easy. I'm just not confrontational. She said, so there's somebody else that is a steward that has decided to be a steward. It's a CCA that is the steward, and they do have that in them to be confrontational, so we work as a team. I think that's fantastic. I really do. Not everybody's confrontational. I, I get that. Trust me. And uh, so she, she says, 
That, that's not my thing. But I am very good at contention building, file building, requesting, putting things together. Uh, you know, that puzzle. Uh, that was a fantastic story. Um, so I love that, that part of this podcast. I really do. Uh, just seeing the fire that a lot of y'all have ignited in yourselves um, to do this. On the other side of that coin, things that upset me most are stories that I hear, and I'll share one of them here with you in a second, of those that have decided to step up and are wrecking balls uh, to management. Uh, you've decided that you're going to be a shop steward, and you have taken it on with, with great fervor. Great passion, and you've done your due diligence to represent your carriers, and your union is is letting you down. And I've started talking, you know, uh, for several episodes, I've talked about that, uh, dealing with that, trying to, uh, believe it or not, trying to encourage upper union to fight. Uh, you would never thought that that would have to be the case, <laughs> but. You have to encourage those that are in positions to fight. Uh, I never thought that I would have to do that. Uh, not that I'm anybody, but I do have a, somewhat of a voice here. But for, to fight for us down on the workroom floor, uh, that is something, uh, again, in my branch, I've never had an issue with that. I, I never knew what that was like. And um, as far as president, things like that. So to see these things is foreign to me. And, and I try to harp on that as much as I can when you talk about State of the Union Address, all these things, you know, a silly title, but just how I feel, things that I've seen. Trying to encourage my union to fight. That's been the most upsetting thing. Management is management. They're pieces of shit, okay? I don't trust them as far as, as I can throw them. So they're out of the equation. I know what they are. I know who they are. And so, uh, you know, I, I can come on here and harp on them every week. It doesn't matter. It's not going to change them because that's who they are. Um, but my union is something different because I, I never thought that I would I would have to, to get on here and say, please fight for us. Please fight for us. So the most upsetting thing about this podcast are those stewards that have decided, hey, I'm going to to pick up that flag and I'm going to get into the fight and their union piss on them. That's been the most upsetting things to the point to where great stewards are saying, I feel like quitting. I have a young lady that says I, I work all the time filing grievances all the time filing grievances. I am tired. I am weary I am overburdened with grievances. It's all I can do. And I can get no help. And, and I'm just thinking about just giving it up. Here's somebody who's decided that, that they're going to represent with everything that they have in their being. And they're getting no help to the point to where they feel like giving up. I've been talking with a gentleman uh, that is in the same boat. And he's very aggressive as far as his 
the grievances and as far as how he is, his approach towards management. And I love to see that. I love to see somebody hold their asses in check. But he's been working on grievances at home because management locally is not giving him any time whatsoever. None. And so he's having to work from home to prepare his grievances. And so he sends me a resolution from the B team. And this is what it states, the decision. It says, the decision, the dispute resolution team has resolved this grievance. A violation of Article 17 of the National Agreement has been shown. And the following remedy is directed. Pay steward so-and-so three hours at the overtime rate. The above payment has been processed at the Step B level. No additional action is required by local management. And that's it. And some of you may be thinking, well, you know, at least they paid him. That's one of ten that he has sent up. One of ten that he has sent up where local management is refusing him any time whatsoever to prepare grievances Union time on the clock. No time whatsoever. So they're forcing him to do all of his union work at home. Now here's the remedy. And this is what he asked for. And this is on page 17.6 of the JCAM. Here's what it states on page 17.6 of the JCAM. The appropriate remedy in a case where management has unreasonably denied a steward time on the clock is an order or agreement to cease and desist plus payment to the steward for the time spent processing the grievance off the clock, which should have been paid time. Let me read that again. This is what he asked for now. And he says, I put this in every single grievance and I highlight it so that they're made well aware of what the contract states. It states the appropriate, which means proper or suitable. The appropriate remedy, the proper remedy, in a case where management has unreasonably denied a steward on the clock, is an order or agreement to cease and desist, plus the payment to the steward for the time spent processing the grievance off the clock, which should have been paid time. So here's both parties at the highest level, the most knowledgeable people that we have, those that sit down and negotiate this agreement the Joint Contract Administration Manual, the JCAM, they have said collectively that the appropriate remedy, the suitable remedy, the proper remedy is two things, a cease and desist plus payment. It doesn't say or payment. It doesn't say a cease and desist or payment to the steward. It says cease and desist plus payment to the steward. Now, let me ask you, why is it that we have a carrier that has decided to be a steward that is spending all of his time at home that he should be spending with his family, with his children, with his wife, with his significant other, going out to dinner, watching their favorite TV shows, going to sporting events, watching his kids play games, sports, whatever. Why is it? that he is having to spend his time at home doing time working on grievances because his station, 
management has said, no time here. The only time you'll have is doing it at home. The only time that you have working on grievances is doing it at home. We will not let you work on grievances on the clock at work. Why is it that our union is pissing on this guy by not telling them to cease and desist? Here's the other ones. Here's the other ones. He sent me all of them. The dispute resolution team has resolved this grievance for the reasons explained below. The DRT finds the evidence is sufficient to establish management violated Article 17 of the National Agreement. The following remedy is instructed. Stuart so-and-so will be paid eight hours at the overtime rate for working on grievances off the clock. The above payment has been made at step B. No further action is needed at the local level. One week, five hours, five hours, 10 hours, 10 hours, 16 hours. We have a guy that has working two jobs now, and the union is perfectly fine with that. How is that possible? How is it possible that the union is doing this to this guy? Look, management is who they are. Management is who they are. They're pieces of shit. They will take this all day long. You know why? Because they're getting everything that they want. They don't care if that guy's being paid at home. They don't care about that. Local management probably doesn't even know that. It says the B team is paying that. They probably have no idea that they're losing those. They don't care. They're not even meeting at the formal step A. That shows you the complete disrespect for the union that this this branch or this station has. They are slapping the union in the face and the union is taking it. They're not even meeting at the formal A. It says there, there was no contentions from management at the formal A. They're not even meeting at the formal A. They just told the guy, hey, go back to your case. Case your mail and do your route. I need 10 hours. I told you to get back to your case and case your mail. Well, what about the disposition of my request? Get back to your case, case your mail, and go to the street. I'm having to work all these at home. Well, file a grievance then. All right, here's my grievance. Let me sign that. Send that to Formal A. Well, you aren't meeting at Formal A. Well, then send it to the B team. Hell, I don't know what to tell you. That's what management's saying. Hell, send it to the B team. I don't give a shit. And the B team for us is saying, uh, just pay him. You have forced this man to work two jobs now. One, the post office. And two, at home, preparing grievances. Because you're too damn cowardly to say, cease and desist. That's what both parties have agreed to at the highest level. They have told you what the remedy is going to be. It's going to be a cease and desist plus Payment. Well, what's happened to the cease and desist? Where is that at? This guy will never, ever get an escalated monetary award for them doing that. Ever. They've not even said cease and desist. They've not even told them to stop. That's what that means. Cease means stop and desist. Don't do it anymore. He can't even get that. The union has said, we are perfectly fine with you working a second job at home doing these cases off the clock. That's what his union has told him. His union is pissing on him. And this guy, 
who is a flamethrower, who is a wrecking ball, has said, I'm finished. I'm quitting. And I begged him, please do not. Please do not quit. I begged him to do that. I said, man, don't quit your people, please. That's what I told him. The, the cease and desist, here's the origin of that, why we, are, why we cowarded out of that. And if anybody tells you anything different, they're lying to you. Management losing their ass on cease and desist. I know this because in arbitration, I have made them lose their ass with cease and desists. Uh, we have crushed them financially in arbitrations because of the cease and desist. Um, and I don't care how much they lose. I don't. They make money hand over fist, regardless of what y'all think. They make money hand over fist. So I don't give a damn how much they lose if it's putting it in the pockets of my people. JB and I were in an arbitration once. He was the formal A. I was the advocate. And it was over a gentleman who had walked out because his supervisor got aggressive with him, bumped up into him, called him out of his name, said, let's go outside and handle this. So physical contact, call him out of his name on the working floor, threatened to take him outside, let's take this outside and finish it. So this guy, who is the steward, been here 20-something years, says, I'm not getting into that game. You're, you're not doing that with me. He clocks out and goes home. He doesn't come back for six weeks. So it goes to arbitration. And the arbitrator says, you're going to pay him the entire time he's off. We're not going to have that kind of conduct where somebody who controls his job is going to threaten him, make physical contact with him, call him out of his name, force him to have no other option but to leave. She said, you're going to pay him for the time he is gone. And uh, then we dealt with the, the supervisor who did it. So management just doesn't pay him. They don't pay him. So we have to go to arbitration because they refuse to pay the guy. So JB gets on the stand and finishes it. He gets on the stand and, and the arbitrator, he's, he's just like, it's over. It's over. So they call a, a, a break and they call me and JB into this office. Now it's the head of labor for the district, the district labor manager and the advocate are in this room with me and JB. And they're saying that the sum is too much because obviously we added some, some coinage on there from a man since they didn't pay it. The sum is too much. I said, too much for whom? Well, where'd you come up with that figure? I said, that's the figure that it's, that it's going to be. That's the figure I'm fixing to go in here and get. Well, that, that's too much money. And I said, listen, listen to me. And this is exactly what I said. And next time JB's on, he can tell you, because he was standing right there with me. I said, listen to this. I said, I will go in there and bankrupt this company if you don't put that man's name on a check for that amount of money. I will go in there and bankrupt this company right now if you don't do what's right and pay this man that sum that we say. Wait, my, that, that's unacceptable. I said, all right, I'll see y'all back in there. 
No, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. So they paid him what we said. That's how I feel about y'all. I will bankrupt these motherfuckers if they don't do what's right by my people. I don't care. You're not going to do us that way. And here, in this case, the union has told this man, go to hell, piss on you. We're not going to hold management liable. Here's the cease and desist, where that came from. And this is one of those things. Labor has told the union, we're no longer doing cease and desist. This was nationwide. And I told you all about boxing. My dad and I used to watch it religiously. <laughs> and in boxing, there's something called the feint, F-E-I-N-T, the feint. That's when a boxer acts like he's going to throw a punch, like he rears back to throw a punch but doesn't throw it. That's called a feint. And he's trying to get a reaction from the other boxer, either to try to get his timing down to see what the boxer's going to do, uh, which way he's going to move if he faints, you know, because he's trying to get him you know, squared up, judged up for what's going to come later. That's called the faint. It's a fake punch because they're trying to get a reaction. Management, labor has done that to the union. They have fainted us and said, no more cease and desist. We'll take everything to arbitration. And because of money, our union said, no, 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 no. Hang on. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, look. We'll water that language down. What do y'all want? A will comply, a shall comply. Uh, we'll take that. We'll take it. We, we can't take everything to arbitration. Here's a multi-billion dollar business that punked us out. They punked us out. And we fell for it. And we are still falling for it today. This is a perfect example. The contract tells you what they're going to do. Both parties have agreed it's a cease and desist plus paying the guy, right? That's what both parties are telling the, the local parties to do. And we won't even hold them accountable to that. How's that possible? How's that possible? It makes no sense that they have punked us out that bad to where we won't even do what's contractually right to protect this guy. The union is at fault for this, not, the, not management, not them. They're going to do whatever they can, to, whatever they can get away with. They're going to do it. They're not at fault. To, remove them from the equation. They're not at fault. The union is at fault here for this guy, for this steward. He will forever be required to work at home on his grievances. He will never work on a grievance on the clock at work because of the union. They have made sure that management has won. Well, he's getting paid. Well, fuck. I'm sure he would much rather spend time with his children, his significant other, going to sporting events, going out to dinner, then working on grievances that should be contractually done at work. He can't even get what's contractually designated because of the union. And that's a shame. That is the cowardice that I talk about. That is the cowardice that I talk about. And look... <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do this three days ago when me and this gentleman were talking. 
it would have been two hours of, of rage. I was so angry at how we, the NLC, we are doing this guy. Ten times he has sent this case up, and ten times we have said, pay him and nothing more. He is destined to do all of his grievances at home because of us. So he tells me, dude, I'm sorry. I'm quitting. That's what he says. It's it's on the message. He said, man, you know, I love doing it, but I can't do this at home all the time. I'm quitting. A hell of a steward. A hell of a steward. A wrecking ball to these bastards. And the union is causing them to quit. Why? Cowardice. We got fainted. And we went for it. We got punked out by labor. What once was the most powerful union in the post office punked out and reached down and kissed our own ass in front of management. So I told the guy, look, please don't quit. Don't quit, please. I'm going to tell you a story that I'm not proud of. And I get emotional every time I tell it, and I don't know why. It's been years and years. Um, it's my story at the formal lay. I've told you all the time that I long ago from 2008 to 11, I believe that's about when it was, 2008 to 2011, I was formal A and then I stepped down. That's not entirely true. That's not entirely true. Uh, here's my story at the formal A. And this is what I told this guy. I said, please don't quit. Please listen to this episode because I'm going to talk to you. And I'm going to talk to anybody out there who has said, I'm tired. I'm weary. I cannot gain anything from my union. I'm just, I'm better off just not doing it anymore. This is for y'all, if it will help. In 2006, I became a shop steward. In 2008, my branch president, who was my shop steward, but then moved up, um, he calls me and he's like, you know, do you mind being the formal A? We have a tyrant as a postmaster. Things are fixing to hit the fan. And if you could help me. And I love Dave with all my heart. Dave Clark, my, who was my branch president, he's retired. I love this guy like he's blood. I spoke at his retirement party, and I told him there in front of everybody, uh, I've never met a man with more integrity than Dave Clark. And that's true. I, I never have. I mean, the guy had that much integrity about himself and the way he conducted business. But he asked me if I would come up and be formal A, that it was too much because we got 16 stations in Nashville and then probably another 16 AOs, okay? So he's having to handle that, Formal A. Before that postmaster, things were kind of quiet, right? And so didn't have a whole lot of activity. But with this new postmaster, things were hitting the fan. I mean, it was busy. And so I said, yeah, I'll come do it. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I've never dealt with that before. He's like, it's file building. You know, you're just going to handle 16 stations now. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'll come up and do that. So my business agent, I told y'all before, he'd send me boxes of B-team decisions, anything that I could quickly get and learn from. And so I've also told you that during that time, you know, became pretty good at it, at Formal A. I was a menace, a menace to management in Nashville. 
I was a reign of terror to management in Nashville. And I believe it was three years. I don't think it was past three years. I believe it was eight to 11. It had to have been eight to 11 because of something that happened later. And so I was sheer terror to management in Nashville. Uh, And I don't care who you were, district manager, postmaster, MCOs, station managers, postal inspectors, supervisors. I went after everybody when I was formal A. Dave Clark told me, you got full reign. Full reign. He set me loose on Nashville, and I was a buzzsaw in Nashville installation. I was a damn flamethrower in the Nashville installation. I did things unprecedented in this installation. And when I talk to y'all about in my state of the union, how I would have done things, that's how I was at the formal A. If a carrier called me and said, Corey, our shop steward out here is not doing anything to protect us. All right. What are we talking about? Article eights are not being filed. Uh, all these different issues, they're not addressing. I said, okay, I'll handle it. So I'd call the steward. Hey, what are we doing with Article 8s out there? Well, you know, I just don't see anything. Well, send me what you've got. Well, I don't have anything. Well, how do you know you don't have anything? So I would go into Dave's office. Our offices were side by side, the president's office and my office, formal A, side by side. And I'd go in there and I'd say, Dave, assign me as outside steward to this station. He would never ask why. He would never ask. He'd pick up the phone, call up front to the secretary. Hey, give Corey paper to go out there and, and uh, as outside steward for this station. He gave me full reign. And so I'd go out to the station, walk on the workroom floor with my paper to hand the supervisor and manager. And the shop steward would say, what are you doing? I'm doing your fucking job is what I'm doing. You're not doing shit for people out here. So I'm going to take over. And that's what I did. Get the hell out of the way. If you're not going to represent, get the hell out of the way. I'm going to do it. And that's how we ran things. Remember when they talk about stepping on toes, stepping on branch president's toes? I'm going to send an outside help. You do your presidential shit. I'm sending an outside help in to do your shit. That's how I was at the formal A. You're not going to represent? Get the fuck out of the way. I'm coming in. That was me at the formal A. Things did not move in this city unless I allowed it. That's how powerful we were. We had grievances you wouldn't believe. The postmaster would call Dave and say, Dave, please, please, I've got a new station manager or a new supervisor out there. They're trying to get their feet up underneath them, and Corey will not quit filing grievances on them. Please tell him to quit. And Dave would say, are they not contractual? Well, they don't know the contract yet. So what do you want me to tell Corey to do? You want me to tell Corey to, hey, let y'all violate the contract until y'all get your feet up underneath you? (laughs) That ain't happening. He said, I wouldn't go in there and tell him that. These are conversations that I heard because I was in the next office. I was a menace, a menace to this city. I was at work. And my supervisor calls me in and he says, hey, listen to this teleconference 
He said, it's about you. So I sit down, we close the door. He said, I'm going to put it on mute so you can talk to me. Puts it on mute. And the district manager is in a teleconference with the Nashville installation management. And they're talking about these grievances and these article eights and everything. And, and it got to the point to where when I would tell a supervisor, hey, I'm putting in a request. I'm coming out there to interview you. They would tell me they're not going to be interviewed. Well, I would tell a postmaster, hey, I'm sending you a request. I'll be out there tomorrow to interview you about such and such, whether it's concurrent. So all these things that I tell you all about are things that I used to do. So I'd go interview them about concurrence. I'd go interview supervisors about discipline, about their understanding of Article 8. I was always in management's ass. <laughs> so, so they just quit talking to me. And we would just send grievances up and win them because they refused to be interviewed by me. <laughs> and so the district manager's on this teleconference and he's talking to the managers and the, and the postmasters in there, the MCSOs in, on the teleconference and uh, the supervisors. And he's going off, you know. You cannot not be questioned by a union official. You've got to be, we're losing cases because of that. You know, you've got to be questioned. Now take somebody in there with you. If you are so insecure, he's just killing them. If you're so insecure, take somebody in there with you. And he says, Corey Walton is not the boogeyman. <laughs> That's what he says. Corey Walton is not the boogeyman. Now, this is the district manager of Tennessee <laughs> telling the national installation, Corey Walton is not the boogeyman. Don't be scared to go in there and talk to him one-on-one. And so that's what he was saying. So anyway, I was a tornado, a whirlwind, a hurricane to Nashville. I had it on lockdown until, until politics got in the way of what I was doing. The business agent at the time was seeking to move up. And part of that, there was some criteria. Part of that was things that they would look at at the national level was organizing. How are, how are you as far as organizing your membership? And we were, the, our region was well over 90%. We're doing good there. Colsep was one of them. And I told y'all that, you know, they'd called me and I was getting record numbers in Colsep. And so that was one thing impasse rate how is your drt working how is your b team working the impasse rate we don't need any impasses okay because that shows a dysfunctional b team and we don't need that that's what national's looking at how is your impasse rate so i'm winning grievances at a clip of about 94 95 percent now i'm talking about several thousands of grievances we're winning at that clip we're we're a buzzsaw we've gotten administrative leave worked hard to get that initially uh, escalated monetary awards are going great we're doing really well there discipline was doing really good and and i didn't know any of this is going on but i start getting settlements back from the b team that we're no longer giving administrative leave they were settling for paid time, which is, you know, 
but I have fought hard for administrative leave. And so I'm like, where's my administrative leave at? Escalated monetary awards were no longer being given on cases that, that I had worked my ass off for escalated monetary awards. And, and they just stop. They just stop. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'll go in there and ask Dave, do you have any idea what's going on with these B team decisions? No idea, bud. So I go to the union meeting. There's our B team guy there. And I go up to him and said, Hey, what's going on with these decisions with this admin leave? With these escalated monetary wars, what are y'all doing? And I could tell on the look on his face, he didn't want to talk to me about it. I said, hey, brother, tell me something. He's like, Corey, just, just give it time. I said, give what time? Just look, just give it time, you know, but we just can't send anything up right now. What? Who in the fuck says that? He said, Corey, please, you know, just, just give it some time. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Just give it time. Give what time? The business agent's trying to get to national. And so he's given a directive. No more impasses. Well, management gets hold of that. They get hold of that. So much so that the formal A no longer brings contentions to my formal A meeting. They understand what's going on. So I'm sending up thing with no contentions, still no admin leave, still no escalated monetary award. Why? Because they know they got us by the short hairs. They're not, they're not impassing anything. Everything is being settled because of politics, because of politics. And here's what did it for me. Here's what got me. I knew what was happening. Eventually I was told, I was told. I'm working on a removal for a young lady and management has no case whatsoever. None. The only thing that they have is that the grievance was filed untimely. They're saying that they mailed it to this girl and it was filed untimely. So I called the girl and I'm like, Hey, what's, what's going on there? She's like, I was at a funeral in a city up North. I wasn't even here. I said, can you get me proof of that? Yeah, how? I said, did y'all get gas on the way up? Yep. I said, get me those receipts. I said, did you eat any, out anywhere? Did you go to McDonald's or did you go somewhere like, yeah, we ate out, you know, several nights. Bring me those receipts if you can find them. She's like, sure, I can find them. I said, what about on the way back? Did you stay anywhere? Did you get gas on the way back? Yeah. I said, can you get me those receipts? Because I'm going to show that you were out of town this entire time. So they cannot use that argument against us. So she brings me all of her receipts. I can cover from before they mailed it to well after showing that she didn't get it because she was out of town. So I put this all together, bullet point it. Here's the timeline, the receipts to cover. Here's the date of the receipt showing that she was gone before it was mailed. And this is uh, four or five days later, so I'm well within the time frame. And I have this down, okay? So I do the merits of the case. There's no way possible she's going to lose this removal. It was so stupid. I'm sitting at my desk one day working on grievances. And I hear Dave Clark in the other room. They emailed him the decision. And I hear him in there. He says, you've got to be fucking kidding. I don't know what it is. I was like, what's going on, Dave? He said, it's so-and-so. That was the girl's name. 
So I jump up and I'm like, what? He said, man, we lost that. I said, Dave, are you kidding me? No. And he shows it to me. And they did not regard, they did not take into account that those receipts. The time that I could prove that she was not here, the B team didn't take that into account. They removed this girl at the B team saying that it was untimely filed. That's what they did. I proved beyond a shadow of a doubt with 100% certainty that this girl was not in town. And they removed this girl at the B team. They didn't even give her a chance to go get heard by an arbitrator. And right there on the spot, I told Dave, I'm out. He said, I don't blame you, bud. You going home? I said, no, Dave, I'm out. I quit. I quit. And he jumped up and came over and grabbed me by the arm. He said, Corey, please don't. I said, Dave, let me go, brother. I'm gone. I'm done. I quit. I said, we are no longer in the business of representing carriers. I said, we're trying to get somebody in a fucking position. And now a girl's lost her damn job because so somebody can go up there at that level. I said, I quit, brother. I'm out. And so I get in my car and it takes about six or seven minutes to get from the station to the interstate so I can get home. And in between that time, I get a call from the business agent's office. Somebody down there, an RA. And they say, Corey, did you just quit Formal A? I said, I damn sure did. And they yell at me. I remember. You just weakened branch four today. You just weakened branch four today. I said, fuck off. Hung up the phone. <laughs> That's what I said. Fuck off. Hung up the phone and went on home and didn't go back up there the next week or the next week, or the next week, I was gone. I quit. And I regret it to this day. So to you, sir, I beg you, don't do what I did. The quitter that I talk about all the time to y'all was me. I was him. The coward that I talk to y'all all the time about, that was me. I was that coward. I was the quitter. I was the chicken shit that I talked to y'all about. That was me. I turned my back on my people. When I say that about my union, that's from personal experience. That's what I did. I turned my back on my carriers. I left them in the lurch. Hell rained down on them after I left. The wolves came out. The city was burning because of me. And I didn't care. I went to my station and I shut the gates. And I told my people, I've got y'all. The rest of them can go to hell. It was not the same Corey. I was the coward that I talked to y'all about. I was the quitter that I talked to y'all about. The chicken shits that I called my people. That was me. That was me. I did that. To you, sir, please, I beg you, don't do that. Don't quit. Man, you'll forever regret it. I think about it all the time, what I did. So what about all that shit, man? That I turned my back on my people. When I say 
have that passionate love affair for your people? Where was that with me? What right do I have to tell y'all to have a passionate love affair when I quit my own people? What right do I have to tell y'all not to quit when I am the ultimate quitter? What right do I tell y'all don't be cowards, don't be chicken shits when I am the coward, the chicken shit that I tell you about? What right do I have? I have none. I have no right to talk about anybody because I was the ultimate quitter. I was a wrecking ball in this city. I was a devastator walking. I walked into stations, man, and managers closed their fucking doors when I came in there. I was the fucking boogeyman in this city, and I quit. I quit. I beg you, sir. I know you're listening because I told you to. I'm begging you, don't quit your people. You're going to hurt us. We will got to get this right with you as far as this union time. We've got to get this right. You cannot work two full-time jobs here and then there at home with the union. We've got to get this right. Please do not quit, sir. Please don't. My story didn't end there, though. We had a new business agent come in. His name was Pete Moss, a fucking thumper. A thumper. So I go down to Tunica to our regional training. And I'm sitting at the table with Dave and all of our other, you know, our branches, branch members. We all kind of sit together at these tables for breakfast. And, and Pete walks by. I don't see him, baby. He's behind me. He walks by and he throws a big-ass binder right in front of me. Blam! And he just keeps walking. And I said, hey, what's this? He doesn't look around. He never turns around and he yells out, it's your fucking second chance. That's what, that's how he says it right there amongst everybody. Bam. Big ass binder thick, about two and a half, three inches thick. Bam. What's that? It's your fucking second chance. You know why? Because I had a quitter. I had no right, no right to come back and do anything for my union because I was a quitter. And if you quit, Normally, that's it for you. Normally, that's it for you. But he tells me, it's my second chance. I open it up, and, and Pete had asked that I be the uh, NELC, member of the NELC USPS District Safety Task Force. Uh, he was going to let me do that. And so he, that was my second chance to get back in. And I've not looked back since. I have not looked back since. I have been raising hell from that day because of my second chance. I told you I went back to the formula a little bit. Um, and and I loved the formula when I was doing it. Um, I, I loved it. And uh, I remember Pete called me one day and he says, hey, you've got to go back to the formula. And I was an advocate at this time. I was like, damn, baby, come on, Pete. You know, he's like, Dave's in trouble. I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, the formula now is, is, is not cutting it. And they're about uh, 400 cases behind. It was 200 or 400. I can't remember. But that many cases behind. I was like, holy shit, how? 
He's like, I don't know. He said, we've lost track of it. He said, but they're calling for Dave's head. Now, here's the guy that I love with all my heart. I told you about his integrity. And so I called Dave and I was like, baby, what's up? And uh, he's like, man, this new guy, he's like, he's just, you know, he's turned it into a full-time job and, you know, he just can't keep up with it. And I said, all right. So I called Pete back and I said, I'll go back under one condition. I said, uh, it's temporary <laughs> until we can find somebody that can do it. I said, and the, the formal aid now needs to understand that he's to go back to his route. He said, okay. So they sent the guy back to his route. And I went back and, and we cleaned them up in a week. I mean, it was a bunch of Article 8s. So we just stayed up there all night, seven days a week, writing these things up and meeting on them, got with labor, and uh, got you know most of them resolved like that. So I went back there and did it then. And I'll tell you, Pete would come up and eat with me uh, during that time. But, yeah, I, I, uh, it, it, was, it was the lowest point of my union career was when I quit. Um, but to anybody who's thinking about it, quitting, let me tell you, let me tell you. Please, please don't. Please don't. Hey, I was lucky. I was lucky because I was thrown a book. I was thrown a book, and inside that book was a second chance, was a second chance, and the boogeyman was back. That motherfucker was back, and he's been raising hell ever since. The boogeyman was back because of a second chance. Hey, brother, that's talking about quitting. The motherfuckers are back and we're going motherfuckering, baby. And I need you with me. Okay? The motherfuckers are back and we're going motherfuckering. And I need you with me to do it. Don't quit on me. Don't quit on your people. Anybody thinking about quitting, the motherfuckers are back and we're going motherfuckering. Don't quit, please. I hear the drums, baby. I hear the drums. Okay? You may not now, but you will. I hear the drums. We're fucking going to war. All right? I can hear them all the time in my head, and I'm not fucking crazy. I hear them. We're going to war. Right? I need each and every one of you to hell with anybody else. NALC, if they don't want to fucking help, fuck off. Hey, y'all, down here, listen to me on this workroom floor. I hear the drums, baby. We're going to fucking war. If it's just us, we're going. If it's just us, we're going. Now, I know that there's enough in the NLC that's ready to get down and boogie, and they're going to be do it with us, right? We got enough support. They're going to get down with us, okay? And I call people out all the time about this shit. I've got people so fucking mad that I'm going down to Florida next week to talk to people about courage about empowerment there are so there are people so mad at that from the NLC that I'm going down there to do that fuck off fuck you you don't want me to go down there and talk to my people about empowerment kiss my ass and I hope you're listening to this they've been calling those people down there raising hell with them that I'm coming down there Kiss all of it, baby. I'm going. 
you damn right. And we're going to talk about empowerment. You know why? Because we need more of it. Y'all need more of it. Y'all need more of it. Up there, you need more empowerment because we're chicken shits. You're fucking A right. <laughs> we're cowards. You're fucking A right. I've got somebody wanting to quit because of y'all. And you're going to worry about me going down talking to somebody. You need to be worried about something else. You act like junior high kids sitting there bad-mouthing people, talking about people behind their back. You act like junior high kids. Get some fucking things about yourself and come talk to me if you got a problem with it. You're too fucking cowardly, baby. I'm 6'1", 255 of ain't fucking around. You mad at me? We're going to go talk to somebody about empowerment. Kiss it. Look here, man. I've said this a million times. I'm not running for anything. Why are you worried about me? I'm not running for president. There's 0% chance that would ever happen. Why are you worried about me? I'm not looking to do anything. Why are you worried about Corey Walton? Huh? I'm the boogeyman to management. You better believe it. And I always will be, regardless if you've used me or not. You think y'all are hurting me by not using me? Huh? By not letting me go to arbitrations anymore? You think you're hurting me? Kiss my ass. You ain't got that kind of control over me, baby. You ain't got that kind of control over me. If I wanted to be business agent, I would have been business agent when Pete stepped down. Believe that. If I would have run then, I'd be business agent right now. If I want to run today, I'd be business agent right now. Believe that. If I want to run in four years, I would do it and I would win. I have no desire for it. No desire. But be careful with me. Be careful with me. <laughs> Trust me. Because I can change my fucking mind. I can change my fucking mind. You seen that scene in Tombstone with Kurt Russell? <laughs> Remember when he goes into that uh, bar and the guys in there dealing cards acting the fool? He tells the bar and he said, I'm going to take care of this. And he goes and stands beside the guy and the guy looks up at him. He says, can I help you? He says, yeah, you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> Dude says, excuse me? He said, you're sitting in my seat. Get the fuck up. Be careful with me, baby. Because I may show up and tell you you're in my fucking seat. I have no desire to do that, but I would not, not see my people fucked over by us. I would not. Y'all think it's all fun and games talking all this shit? I'm here to do one thing and one thing only, empower my people. To educate them. To train them. And that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm doing this shit for free. And you bastards can't even say thank you. You're so worried about yourselves. You're so worried about your positions. You can't even fucking say thank you, Corey, for educating people for free. You know why? Because you're too fucking worried about your status, about your fucking seat. I ain't worried about that shit, man. You couldn't pay me enough to move up there and do that shit y'all do. I wouldn't do that shit for nothing. Shit. Look here, folks. I love you. I love each and every one of y'all. I do. And I will fight for y'all as much as I can. I will help you fight as much as I can. Believe that. 
believe that. I believe that anybody who's ever messaged me, I believe that I've gotten back with you and, and helped as much as I could. And I thank JB more than anybody else. I thank JB. Because most of the times you, you come to me, I send you to him. Why? Because JB has all the templates. I don't have templates on me. I, I don't keep them. He has a flash drive. So I'm killing him by telling y'all to go. You know what he says? I don't care. I don't care. Tell him to come on. Now, here's a guy who is the boogeyman now in this city. A wrecking ball, a flamethrower, a devastator is JB. That's what he does now. And he still takes the time to talk to y'all 24-7. That's what we need more of. That's what we need more of, right? I love y'all with all my heart. I do. You're my brothers and sisters in light blue. I love y'all, and I'm going to fight. You've never seen anything like it. I'm going to fight for y'all as much as I can, as much as I can. I told you there are great things about this podcast, seeing the, the victories, seeing things that we've done. Even go, over, even go over losses, man. We go over those together. And when we, we brainstorm, what could we have done a little bit different? You know, I love that stuff. I hate with, with a passion when my people call me or message me saying, I, I, I'm giving up. I'm quitting because of my union. I hate it with a passion. Think of me. Think of my story, please. When you do, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't be, don't be me. I'm the ultimate quitter. I am. I'm the ultimate coward. I'm the ultimate chicken shit because I walked out on my people and I left this city to burn and didn't care. I protected my own at my station and, and left it to burn. And to this day, I regret it. To this day. And that was 20 years ago. I still think about it and get emotional because of what I did. Don't be that. Hey, <laughs> hey, y'all. The boogeyman is back. The boogeyman is back. That's me. That's you. Okay? That's what we are. That's what we're going to be. <laughs> we're going motherfuckering. <laughs> I need y'all with me. I need y'all in this ride. We're going to handle business. All right? I love y'all. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. I'll talk to you next week.